Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, May 10th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. And I stress concert tickets because here in Boston the last couple days, people are just raving about this Justin Bieber concert. He's playing at the TD Garden tonight and tomorrow night, Tuesday and Wednesday. And I even tweeted it out to DJ Bean, who tweeted something yesterday. DJ Bean from WEI.com. He tweeted something yesterday about wanting to go to the Justin Bieber concert. And I felt the need to sort of respond to him, embed his tweet, and comment above it by saying, look, you can still use my SeatGeek promo code to get Justin Bieber tickets just because this is a sports talk show. And really, that's mostly what I do. Sometimes I go, I can get away from sports talk and I get into some other things in the entertainment world. I get that. And maybe go on some crazy rants about some things that happen Uh, in my personal life sometimes. But for the most part, this is a sports talk show. Still, just because I'm talking about SeatGeek on a sports talk show doesn't mean you can't buy tickets and use my promo code to buy tickets for a concert. And here in Boston, what's the biggest concert right now? The Justin Bieber concert. See, what I find myself doing lately, like there's things you do when you wake up in the morning, right? You eat breakfast, you shower, you brush your teeth, uh, you go online, where do you go? I mean, I go to ESPN.com. I go to the, a couple of the local sites, WEI.com, CSNNE.com, uh, Boston Sports. I always go to Boston every morning. And you go on Twitter. But what I find myself doing now on my phone while, while I do that is I open the SeatGeek app just to see what's going on. I mean, you can search location, venue, the type of event. I just search Boston because that's where I am right now. You know, you get Red Sox games pop up. You get different concerts. I mean, it's not just the Justin Bieber concert. I'm looking here. I didn't know that Busta Rhymes is playing at the House of Blues on Thursday night. I mean, who would really know that? I I don't know. And again, I'm probably not going to go to Busta Rhymes on Thursday night. I actually, I'm going to be going the Red Sox game either Thursday or Friday night. That's why when I find the Red Sox games here on the SeatGeek app, I set a little alert. You can set an alert. And what SeatGeek does is they're going to Let me know when the prices fall. So I'm going to get the best deal possible on tickets, but you can go on the SeatGeek app. It is free. Download it, and you can set an alert for really anything that you want. I mean, there's so much stuff going on here. What else do we got? I mean, just different venues in different events, like the Boston Cannons at Harvard Stadium, uh, the New England Revolution Games at Gillette Stadium. You're looking for deals on that. Just so many different things, and with all of these events, You can use my promo code, Picard. That's right, my last name, Picard, to get a $20 rebate on tickets. Use the promo code right now, but you got to get the free SeatGeek app. And uh, that's where I go. I mean, SeatGeek, always the first place that I look for tickets to a game or concert. It should also be the first place that you go. And as I mentioned, It doesn't need to just be a sporting event. Just because I'm talking about SeatGeek on a sports talk show, you can also look for some concerts, and the biggest concert here in Boston right now is Justin Bieber. Now, again, I'm not not going to the Justin Bieber concert, but there are a lot of people who would like to go. I can help you get the best deal. SeatGeek app and use the promo code PICARD. Um, 
the last, what's the last concert I went to? I'm trying to think. Last concert I went to. Uh, you know what? I went to the country concert at Fenway this summer. I'm not really a country music guy, but it's one of those things where, you know, you get a free ticket and your friends are going and you got a suite and you go and you have a good time. You go out before, you go to the concert, you go out after. Honestly, the best concert I've been to in the last, I'll say, five years was Justin Timberlake, Jay-Z at Fenway. That was, that's the best concert I've been to in a long, long time. Might even be the best concert I've ever been to, to be honest. I think it was that good. Um, now, I, I just think the combination of those two was pretty interesting. JT and Jay-Z. Like, I, I just, I went into that concert not knowing what to expect. I had no idea what to expect. But when you get in there, and, and the coolest part about that concert was, obviously, the venue. Anytime somebody plays at Fenway, anytime you go to Fenway for something that's not a baseball game, it's, it's pretty unique. It's pretty special. Uh, but the fact that you have two huge names like Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z performing at Fenway makes it even that much cooler. Now, I was just interested to see how they'd work together. And what, the best part about it was when Jay-Z came out and sang his stuff, Timberlake stayed on stage and sort of, you know, sang the... Uh, I mean, Jay-Z does some songs that include other people in it. Well, those other people weren't at the concert. Those other singers and rappers weren't there. So they just used Justin Timberlake to play the role of those other singers in the Jay-Z songs. I thought that was pretty cool. That's one of the best concerts I've been to in a long time. Um, I've never been to a Justin Bieber concert. But people, you know, they, they, they seem to, to love it. And he's in town. I think I saw a picture of him running around with no shoes in downtown this morning. So he's already, he, he's already going nuts in the city of Boston. Um, so that's what you can get on the SeatGeek app outside of just going to a game. You can also get concert tickets. So, uh, that's how I'll begin the show. And, and I'll mention some Red Sox stuff because they did win last night and I'll get to some other baseball news because there is a big contract that was signed before I close out the show. And most of the time I begin the show with Red Sox, but I'm sorry. I got to begin with what happened last night in Portland, in the NBA playoffs. Because this, to me, is the biggest story in the world of sports. It's the return of Steph Curry, not just for what Steph Curry does to this series, but what he does for the entire playoff picture. Because the last couple days, I have got this, like, I get this sense from from the national sports analysts and the, the, you know, the NBA experts, and even fans, when you go on social media, I get this sense that all of a sudden... Because of Steph Curry's injury and because Portland won the last game in this series, and they won game three to cut Golden State series lead at 2-1, to one, that Portland win in game three combined with Steph Curry's injury, I feel like people started to jump ship on Golden State and look at Cleveland going to the Eastern Conference Finals, being undefeated in the playoffs, being 8-0, seeing LeBron James, Irving, and Love, something that I've been telling you about, which is you know, is going to be a major reason why I think Cleveland ultimately wins the title, having all those guys together and healthy. But I, I sense that people see that with Cleveland. They see what's going on with Golden State with the Steph Curry injury and Portland winning game three. They see the dogfight that there is between Oklahoma City and San Antonio. And I just sense that people are now starting to jump on board the Cleveland Cavaliers train. And they're joining me, really, because I've been on it since day one. I told you that Cleveland's going to win the championship, and I'm not backing down. And 
I mean, I, I guess I didn't look at the Steph Curry injury and think that he wouldn't come back or think that Golden State would be eliminated by Portland or think that Golden State wouldn't get to the NBA Finals. But certainly, the people that were, I guess, locked in on Golden State repeating as champions, I, I think the last couple days they had to take a step back and say, well, wait a minute. It, maybe there's going to be something different here. And they see how good Cleveland's playing, and I think they've... I get the sense that some people have jumped ship and started to back the Cavaliers and sort of consider them now the favorites to win the championship. Joining me. I'm not jumping ship. I've been in the, I, I've been telling you Cleveland's going to win the NBA title since the beginning of the season. And, and I, my mind hasn't changed one bit as long as Love and Irvin are there next to LeBron James. So when I sense this, you're watching this game last night and going into the game, literally, I think like two hours before the game, they told us, Steph Curry could suit up, could play in this game, and he did. He returned last night, and he returned off the bench. He was not in the starting lineup. Livingston was in the starting lineup. Now, Livingston got kicked out of this game, which it's just, I mean, he's got to control his emotions. I know people talk about the officials, and they say, well, these officials, they always make it about themselves. You're right, they do. They do always make it about themselves. But if I'm that official last night and Livingston is getting up in my grill, following me around the court, trying to chest bump me, telling me to go fuck myself, guess what I'm doing too? Livingston, why don't you hit the showers? You're in the starting lineup. You're getting a special opportunity tonight in this playoff game and you're going to get in my face over a bad call? Guess what? We make bad calls. Deal with it. But don't try to follow me around the court and chest bump me, okay? Because I'll throw you right the fuck out of this game. So I'm glad he did. I'm glad they kicked Livingston out and sent him to the showers, you punk. Seriously. And Steve Kerr, I think, knew it too. Steve Kerr saw it. He looked like he was upset at first. But I think when Steve Kerr watches the film of that, Coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr, okay, when he watches the film, I think he's going to have a sit-down with Sean Livingston and say, hey, listen, you might not like a call or two. It might be a terrible call, but you cannot follow the ref around and try to chest bump him like that and tell him to go fuck himself and expect to stay in the game. I mean, you just, you, you, come on. You got to smarten up. So I'm glad they kicked Livingston out. But Steph Curry, he wasn't, you know, you look at the box score today. 37 minutes he got last night in his return, coming off the bench. He was not supposed to get 37 minutes. Now, some of those minutes had to do with the fact that this game went to overtime. And you know what happened by now. Golden State beat Portland in this game four in overtime, 132 to 125. And now Golden State has a commanding 3-1 to lead in this series. And they go back now to Golden State with a chance to close it out. But the story of the game, and in my opinion, the story of the sports world today on this Tuesday, May 10th, is that not only did Steph Curry return in this game, Steph Curry is back. And he let you know he was back when he drilled the three in overtime, and he's walking back to the bench, and he's looking into the crowd in Portland, and he's saying, I'm back. And he said it a couple times. And the best part about the whole video is Clay Thompson's pointing at him, looking at the crowd too, going, yeah, he's back, he's back, Steph Curry's back. But at first, when he first came into the game, it didn't look like Steph Curry was back. He looked like a shell of himself. He airballed a deep three where you're like, uh-oh, what the hell was that? I have That just looks so weird to see Steph Curry do that. And so now you're thinking, well, maybe the knee's not right. Maybe he's not getting the hops. Maybe it's really hurting him. Uh, he just doesn't have the strength in that leg. And you know how much he likes to use his legs to hit that shot, especially the deep shot. And that's really, if Steph Curry isn't hitting that, you know, 
if he doesn't have the leg strength, what's he going to do? Can he even drive to the basket? You know, can he even go up strong and maybe finish? And what does that do to his confidence? So early on when Steph Curry returned to this game, it looked terrible. It looked awful. And then, little less than five minutes left in the fourth quarter of a very tight game. Steph Curry buried his first three of the game less than five minutes left in the fourth quarter. He hit two three-pointers in the fourth, and then it goes to overtime. Steph Curry hit three three-pointers in overtime. Curry finished the game with 40 points in 37 minutes, 16 of 32 from the field, 5 of 16 from the three-point line, a perfect 3 for 3 from the free throw line. He had 9 rebounds, he had 8 assists. So he almost had a triple double. Steph Curry coming back from injury, it looked terrible at first, but as the game went on, he turned it on and he looked like the Steph Curry of old and that's the story and once again he hit some big shots for Golden State in the fourth and in overtime and he's got the knee injury but he didn't look like he was injured late in this game so maybe they'll try to you know look at his minutes and and cut those down now that they have a three to one series lead a commanding lead I expect them to go back to Golden State you know if you're getting some hot shooting from Klay Thompson in game five especially you keep Curry on the bench you try to rest him Right? I mean, you, you got to do that. You have to do that. I, because I do not think Portland is coming back in this series. You know, Portland Portland is not winning. They're not beating Golden State in three straight games. I don't care if they played all three of those games in Portland. Now, they're not. If there were three more games in the series, two of the three would be in Golden State. So, Portland is done. Golden State's going to move on. Steph Curry returned. That's the big story. He didn't just return. He returned with a bang late in this one with 40 points just an unbelievable performance I I, I don't think what, whatever happens to Paul and, and you know what's gonna happen they're gonna lose this series but Damian Lillard to me and I know the shooting percentage wasn't great five of 18 from the three-point line but what Damian Lillard is doing right now 36 points he this kid is a playoff performer and you know what it might not come in the form of an entire four-quarter stretch, like a full game. He doesn't put it together like this. But I feel like every single playoff game I watch Damian Lillard, he's hitting the big shots late. He's hitting them late. He's hitting them deep. Sort of puts on a Steph Curry-esque performance late in games. In the third quarter, and the fourth quarter, he's a late-game guy, and in, he's doing it in these big games. Damian Lillard, I don't know how you can't like this kid. And, and this isn't the first postseason that he has hit some big shots for the Trailblazers. I mean, there were some times in which... You know, you'd like to see Portland play a little better D. This game, this game at one point in the fourth quarter was just everybody take the ball and just just shoot it. Like, there was no method to anybody's madness. It was back and forth, back and forth, three-point shot, three-point shot, no plays being run. It was sort of a chaotic fourth quarter. But you know what? Someone like Damian Lillard, you can't complain when that's going on because he's hitting the shots. On Golden State's end, they got guys that can hit those shots too. It has been... Even though it's a 3-1 series, it has been an exciting series. And I think if you're Portland and you look at Damian Lillard, you got a, you got a pretty special piece to try and build around. And, uh, you know, if anybody would want to join forces with him, that, that would be something else in Portland. Because Lillard, to me, even though the, the shooting percentage isn't great, he hits the big shots late in these big games. And, 
you know, really is the heart and soul of that team, but at the same time is somebody that, you know, I, I look at that type of shooting late in a big game, and I come back to the Celtics, and I say, you know, you, you'd love to – Isaiah Thomas, all right, he can hit some shots. Marcus Smart, we saw him hit some shots, especially at the end of that game four. But I just feel like Lillard is every single game late is, is able to hit him when he's not hitting him early on, and he's a point guard. You know what I mean? It's just that's the type of player, somebody that can hit the big shots from the outside late, and you can have confidence in that he's going to hit them, even if they're pretty deep. It's a good feeling to have. It, it, it makes you feel like you got a shot if you're Portland. And they, they have in a couple of these games. And they actually beat them in one. <laughs> right? I mean, think about that. They actually beat Golden State in a game. Um, so... We know what happened to Golden State in the regular season. They didn't lose very many games. So that's a special accomplishment. And Damian Lillard is somebody that if you're a Trailblazers fan, you know the series is over for you. But I think you got to look at it and, and feel pretty good about that kid and what you have. Because I think that he has a couple very special playoff runs in him. Especially if they can get somebody, some type of superstar to come in there into Portland and play with Lillard. And if I'm a superstar player and I see what Lillard does in the playoffs, hitting some big shots, he is definitely somebody that I would like to play with. Absolutely. So that's the big story in the NBA. Golden State now with a 3-1 to series lead. Last night, there was another NBA playoff game. Before that, the Heat beat the Raptors in Miami to even that series at two games apiece. Dwayne Wade, I think, is going to take the heat and help them win this series eventually. Is it going to happen in six or seven? I could see it going seven, and I could see Dwayne Wade doing something special. But, you know, either way, whatever team wins this series is going to get whooped by Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's why I think, that's why I feel like there's not as much attention paid to this one, at least from my perspective. Like, I'm not really paying much attention to the Miami-Toronto series at all, mainly because I know whoever wins it's going to get whooped in the next round. One game tonight. Oklahoma City is in San Antonio for their game five. The series is tied at two. You know I am rooting for San Antonio for a couple reasons. One, I want the Spurs to play the Warriors in the West Finals. Two, I want Kevin Durant out in the second round. I don't want him going on any type of special run and meshing with Westbrook and, and you know, maybe making the chances a little bit lower that he leaves Oklahoma City. I want him to become a free agent. I want the Celtics involved. And, and I think the best opportunity for that to happen would be for Kevin Durant to have a second-round defeat and take a step back, knowing he can be a free agent, and say, you know what, I just got to get out of Oklahoma City. Westbrook's going to leave in a year or two. Um, then what are we going to be? I just, I don't see it here. It's not happening. I got to move on. I got to go to the East. And, and that's where we can get back into the Kevin Durant free agent conversation. But we can get into that a little bit more realistically if Durant loses here in the second round. So I'll be rooting for San Antonio tonight. That game five is tonight. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, there were two games last night in the NHL. Dallas and Nashville forced game sevens. They both win their game six to force game sevens. So we're going to have two game sevens coming up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's only one game tonight. It's a game six. The Capitals are trying to stay alive and force a game seven. They are in Pittsburgh. The Penguins with a chance to close out the series. Uh, I... I, just, I know I picked the Capitals to win the Cup. I can see this going seven. Look, if there's a goaltender that's going to help 
their team force a game seven, it's Holpe for the Capitals. It is. But at the same time, if there's an offense in their own building that's going to come alive, that has playoff experience, that has guys that have won a cup, you know, if there's an offensive attack in the league in their own building that's going to be able to close out a series, it's most likely going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially the way they are looking right now. So I'll keep an eye on that one and react to it tomorrow. Um, And that's what the playoff picture looks like in the NBA and the NHL. Now let's get to some baseball, shall we? Let's get to some baseball because last night, the Red Sox win their second straight game. They defeat the Oakland A's 14-7. This was a game in which Clay Buckholtz is on the mound. And he's going up against Sonny Gray. You know how I feel about Sonny Gray. He's a 26-year-old kid. He's an absolute stud. He's one of the best right-handed pitchers, young right-handed pitchers in the game. He's going through a rough stretch right now. Sonny Gray, his first couple starts were downright dominant this season. He's going through a rough stretch. They say it's location, location, location with him. You saw last night, you know, he was leaving that fastball and even the breaking ball at times a little bit too much out and over the plate. And the Red Sox are the type of offense that's going to make you pay for that. They are. They're going to make you pay. And they, they made Sonny Gray pay last night. The Red Sox went at 14-7. Sonny Gray gets the loss, getting yanked in the fourth inning after allowing eight hits, seven earned runs, walked two guys, only struck out two. He only threw 75 pitches. The Red Sox get to him, and they get to him big in the fourth inning. And in that fourth inning, the Red Sox score six runs. Jackie Bradley Jr. offensively for the Red Sox is the story. Three for five, two runs scored, six RBI because he hit a grand slam in this one. In the sixth inning, grand slam with two outs. It's his fourth home run of the season. So Jackie Bradley Jr. right now is hitting 303, 303 with four home runs. And in case you're wondering, he's got the longest active hit streak in all of Major League Baseball. And that hit streak is 15 games. So Jackie Bradley Jr. is somebody right now that's swinging the bat with a whole lot of confidence. And I told you, it's more than just confidence. It's almost cockiness. It's a, he has a certain swagger at the plate, and we, we got that. Last year, at the end of the season a little bit, when he went on that tear, you could tell there was just a difference. You know, his body language was different. He was stepping up to the plate, almost had this look in his eye in which he was a man possessed, and and he had this swagger in that batter's box that he knew he was going to rip one if you put it over the plate, and that's what he's been doing. He ripped one to right field last night. It was a grand slam. He had six RBI. He's the offensive story, and he's somebody at the bottom of this batting order that nobody in this town is asking Jackie Bradley Jr. to hit 300. Nobody's asking him to come even close. And what the weird thing about this game was last night is that Jackie Bradley Jr. has this type of offensive performance, continues the longest active hit streak in Major League Baseball 15 games, like I told you, and then he gets a, a shallow pup fly to the center field, which is a routine pup fly, and he drops it. <laughs> he dropped it. The guy who's known for his defense that went on asking to, to, to hit anywhere close to 300, drops a pup fly, a routine pup fly, hits a grand slam, and is hitting 303, and is the longest active hit streak in Major League Baseball. I mean, 
it, it, so it, 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 it was a little weird last night. And here's what I hope. Um, you know, I hope that the dropped pup fly doesn't do anything to shake his confidence. I mean, I, I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not what we see here. However, Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be just fine in the outfield. I'm not going to overreact to that one drop play. I don't know what was going on there. I'd rather just not even acknowledge it. I'd honestly rather just move on because he's not going to do that. You know, you know, you've seen Jackie Bradley Jr. play the outfield. He's going to make some fantastic catches this year. And uh, really, that's what we, that's really what we're asking him to do. We're asking him to make great catches, help this pitching staff and this defense by saving some runs and saving some extra base hits. And what do you ask him to do? 250? Hit 250. Hit me 245, Jackie Bradley Jr. That's all we're asking. But this is a bonus right now. What he's giving you offensively. And the Red Sox last night, they beat Oakland 14 to 7. But it didn't always look like this was going to happen. It did all not, last night, it did not always look like the Red Sox were going to win this game 14 to 7. Didn't look like they were going to win this game at all because Oakland jumped out to a 4-1 lead. They had a 3-0 lead. Then the Red Sox score on a Sonny Gray Wild pitch in the second, and then Oakland answers with a home run uh, to make it 4-1 and take another three-run lead. And at that point, when Buckholz lets up that home run, you're sitting there going, here we go. Like, this is, you know, Buckholz does not have the stuff tonight to be able to remain confident on that mound. He's a head case, as we know, and this home run that he just allows is not going to help his mindset moving on the rest of this game. So at that point, Oakland led it 4-1. to Buckholz has a chance to settle down, and he lets up that home run in the third, and, and, and I'm thinking, well, all right, this isn't going to end well. I'll tell you that. There were moments last night with Clay Buckholz in which... You know, I, I think what I'm asking, what I ask Buckholz to do, here's what I think that the team should ask him to do. Like, first of all, I think they should probably send Dustin Pedroia to, to maybe go look at some video of Clay Buckholz, and, and maybe he can help Buckholz out because they seem to think he's going to help David Price. Now, we're doing all this video with David Price. They're looking at him. They're doing the split screen with the, the leg kick. Is it coming up high? Is it not coming up high? I had people tweet me last night going, well, I watched video of him last year. I watched video of him three years ago. The leg kick was, wasn't even coming up high, and he was still dominating, and he still had the fastball, leading some people to believe, just based on what people are tweeting me, that guess what? Maybe it isn't the leg kick. Right? And I don't know. We're not going to find out. We're not going to be able to figure it out until he actually goes on the mound and does it. I have no idea. I'll tell you what I'm not doing with David Price. I'm not going back and looking at video from last year. I'm not there yet. Uh, But you know why? Because I think that will ruin it for me. I told you yesterday. It's like, you know, you hear like a little noise, like a beep noise in the room, and somebody points it out to you, and you didn't hear it at first. And now all of a sudden, you're like, why did you tell me that? Because now I can't get it out of my head. Like, I almost wish the Red Sox didn't tell me about this specific mechanical issue. They should have just said, this is a mechanical issue, and we're going to fix it. Now that they told us what we're doing, they're going to drive me fucking nuts. Because you got Remy breaking it down on the broadcast. He's thrown in the bullpen with split-screen video. No, no, no. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, don't ruin the David Price thing for me. He, he's ruining, ruining himself by pitching this poorly. I still expect him to find a way to figure it out and turn it around. Um, if that means a DL stint at some point because there's something going on in the arm, I, because he can't, that's why he doesn't have the velocity, then so be it. But, I mean, just make, make your adjustments. 
And, and you don't need to give us the details of those adjustments, honestly. Because now we're going crazy. And if it doesn't work out, what are we going to do? See, they should have never even told us that. Tell us mechanics. Don't give us details of the mechanics. And certainly don't tell us that Dustin Pedroia was the guy that found out. Because that makes everybody on this staff look horrible. If Dustin Pedroia is the guy who has to figure out via video of David Price what he's doing wrong. Is it the answer? I don't know. But last night they were giving you the split screens and they're trying to figure that out. Maybe Pedroia should be in the video room trying to figure out what's wrong with Clay Buckholtz. But I'm not going to go to the video on Buckholtz. What I'm going to go to is just the eye test as he's throwing in a normal game. And I try to do it all the time. And I mean, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. He's a head case. And I think there are times in which if he's not getting some calls early in a game, like he, he walked Coco right away, right? Or he, he look, he, he walks guys. He, he, and, and, and I think when he does put a guy in first base like that, it does get in his head. Yeah, he walked Coco to begin the game. Um, what? Because when he doesn't get the calls, here's what he does. I think he starts aiming his pitches. I think he aims his pitches. And when he aims his pitches, you know what he does? He takes a little off it, and it doesn't have the same movement. And it's, you know, it's just not, you know, because he can have electric stuff. Buck Colts can give you electric stuff at times. But I think you can see it when he has the electric stuff. They talk about, well, he's attacking the hitters. How is he attacking the hitters? Because he's throwing the ball, okay? He's trusting that that ball is going to go to a spot with movement in which he's going to get a swing and miss. It comes back to throwing with conviction. You need to have it in this league. But if you aren't getting calls like Buck Holt sometimes doesn't and he gets in his head and he starts aiming pitches, he doesn't have the same movement on the pitch. And it's sort of flat. There's nothing electric about it. And that's where he gets knocked around. But he does give you moments, like even last night where he does, they, all right, sets up, Vasquez calls a pitch, two-seam fastball on the outside, and Buck Colts decides, hey, I'm going to get a swing and miss with this pitch. I'm throwing it. I got the two-seam fastball on the outside. I'm going to trust my location here that that ball's going to end up in Vasquez's glove on the outside. And I'm just throwing it. It's him attacking the hitter. And when he does just throw it and is just playing catch, okay, that ball with Buckholtz does have some nasty movement, especially when he trusts the changeup down and away to lefties. And this Oakland lineup, you know, the lefties that you're going to face, he did have moments last night in which he was throwing the, just throwing, just out there, throw it. Just throw it. Don't try to aim it. Don't try to be cute and, and get your spots. Trust you. Trust the fact that that ball is going to end up where you want it to. Conviction. Buckholtz, he, he's a head case. And, and sometimes he lacks that. And it's just too much. And, and last night, you know, Davis makes him pay with that home run. Gave Oakland a 4-1 to lead. And I'm going, this, game, this game's over. You know, I'm going, this game's over. Now, the Red Sox, their, their offense ended up coming through in the fourth inning. Uh, Sonny Gray, who you know, I told you, I'd love to see in a Red Sox uniform. He's been on a bad stretch. He had a bad night. But I think you need to credit the Red Sox offense at the same time. They're that relentless. Buck Holtz is still in this game through five innings, okay? And bottom of the fifth, Brock Holt with a two-run home run. The Red Sox have a 9-4 to lead. You get to the sixth, they bring in Tommy Lang. They take Buck Holtz out of the game. He only threw 87 pitches, 
Buckholtz, after the game, did not sound like someone who was very thrilled with this. But you know what? And, and actually, the quote from Buckholtz was, he said he, he, he thought he got traded. Because <laughs> he's sitting there going, I only threw 87 pitches. I got a five-run lead. We got a kid in Sean O'Sullivan who's got a career ERA of nine going tomorrow night in a spot start. We're going to need the bullpen tomorrow night. Why wouldn't you let me just go out here and try to figure it out and, and give you a couple more innings? We've overused the bullpen. Wouldn't this be a spot in which you keep me on the mound? You know, that's what's going through Buckholz's head. And I won't lie to you. That was kind of going through my head, too. But when they did pull him from the game, and he didn't seem too thrilled about it, and then you see the quote from Buckholz afterwards, in which he said, well, I thought I got traded. I, I, end up, I end up liking this move, to be honest. And the reason I end up liking this move is because, how, honestly, can we really sit here and say that and we should even trust Buckholz with a five-run lead, like even in a 9-4 game. Like, can anybody truly trust Buckholz even with that big of a lead? Seriously. Like, I have a tough time. Like, I do have a t- as much as I thought maybe Buckholz should have been out. You know, like, I, I, like I, I questioned the move at first because I'm like, well, wouldn't you just throw him out? As I'm sitting there questioning, I'm going, all right, Danny, like, seriously, can you really... Can you really jump on the show the next day and, and, and get all worked up and go after John Farrell for not trusting Buckholz with a five-run lead? Like, no, I can't. Because even if I began to do that, I'd have to sit back and laugh and go, oh, wait a minute. Let's think about who we're talking about here. Is, five run, is a five-run lead really, like, is that big enough for Buckholz on a night in which he didn't look good? Eh, not really. So I can only get so worked up about that. Uh, but you know what? I end up liking it. I end up liking the fact that uh, it's almost a message to Buckholz. You want to stay out there? Guess what? Earn it. Don't go out and let up four runs the way you did. And when we do score a run, don't go out in the mound the next inning and let up a home run. Like, figure it out. Yeah, you only threw 87 pitches. Yeah, it only you only went five innings. Yeah, you got a five-run lead. Yeah, we've overused the bullpen. But guess what? You want to stay on that mound? Earn it. You haven't earned it yet. You earned it in Chicago last week. Did you earn it in this start? No. Earn it. You want to be upset? Be upset. You feel like you got traded? Huh, maybe you will one day. Maybe you will. But guess what? If you want to stay out in that mound, if you do want to keep pitching, you have to prove to us that that we can trust you even with a five-run lead. And to be quite honest with you, right now on May 10th of 2016, I don't know how anybody in their right mind could could say, could look you in the eye and say, yes, I trust Clay Buckholz with a five-run lead. I just, it, even, a, even an eight-run lead, I don't know that I trust the guy. So I can't jump on John Farrell about that. I can't. And ultimately, when you see that Buck Colts actually wasn't happy with it, I, good, good. He shouldn't be happy. I don't like when he's happy when he's taken out after six, seven innings because he just, because he survived. He, like, sometimes he looks a little bit too relieved to survive the game. Like, no, we're not asking you to survive the game. We're asking you to go out and some of the electric stuff that you show us at times, we're asking you to put that together for an entire game and stop being such a fucking head case. So until we can... Until we can trust you out there, you're gonna have to, you have to earn that trust. Simple. And I like the fact that he was upset. He should be upset. They should want him upset. Right? Good. Go out in your next start and, and, and give up one, two runs only. Try not to give up any runs. How's that? 
That's how you go seven innings. That's how you get us to keep putting you back out there. So I was okay with it. Buck Colts, as crazy as it was, ends up getting the win in five innings, allowing four runs, walking two, striking out two, throwing only 87 pitches. Buck Colts' ERA is now 5.90. The Red Sox in Oakland, they play again tonight. As I mentioned, Sean O'Sullivan, the righty, is going to make the spot start in the place of Henry Owens, who was making the starts in the place of Joe Kelly. Sean O'Sullivan is on the mound for the Red Sox. He'll go up against the lefty. And the story here is Sullivan, though, especially against the left-handed Oakland lineup. Uh, <laughs> the numbers are not good. I've never seen Sean O'Sullivan pitch. Not going to lie. Never seen it. Never seen him. Seems like kind of a big boy. 6'1", 250. Uh, <laughs> the number, let, let me tell you the numbers. He's made 52 career starts in the majors. This is, let's see how many teams he's played for. He's played for the Angels, the Royals, the Padres, the Phillies, and now the Red Sox. This is his fifth team. He's made, Sean O'Sullivan has made 52 career starts. In... Those 52 career starts, he has gone 10-22 and 22 with a 6.07 ERA. In his career, he's made 67 total appearances with a career ERA of 5.96. I said ERA of 9 a few minutes ago. I meant for this, for this season, right? Um, he's pitched one inning. I'm not going to lie. I didn't, even, I didn't even see it. I didn't even see that in with Sean O'Sullivan. I don't even, I'm trying to look at the game log right now just to see when that game was. It was, oh, it was in the game Saturday when David Price was just horrible. We were were all worked up about David Price. We missed Sean O'Sullivan's one inning there. So, uh, bottom line is Sean O'Sullivan in his career, not very good. Not very good. 52 career starts, 10 and 22 with a 6.07 ERA. And in uh, his career, just has an ERA sub-6, 5.96 and 67 appearances. So uh, that's, that's where we stand. This should, so this should be an interesting one tonight. I'd take the over. How about that? How about we'll take the over in this one? I think that's probably the wise decision. Take the over at Fenway between the Red Sox and the Oakland A's. With the Red Sox, though, there's, there's another story here. And, you know, it's a story that I've gone away from because the way I look at it is out of sight, out of mind with Pablo Sandoval. I don't talk about him. I don't think there's any need to talk about him. He had shoulder surgery. He's out for the season. Uh, he lost his job, his starting job at third base in spring training. Even the, what did he get? Six at-bats or something? Very minimal at-bats. He was terrible. His belt broke. He showed up looking like a slob this spring training. He was saying all the wrong things, saying he doesn't have anything to prove. He was terrible last year, so obviously he does have something to prove, but yet doesn't feel that way. Even under a $95 million contract, that's an issue. The attitude sucks. But more importantly, so does the production. And in order for us to sort of forgive you and turn, you know, have us actually accept the fact that you're a member of this team... You have to go out and produce. Now, he can't produce because he's injured. And I told you when the injury came about and when he has the surgery that, well, what do you want me to say? It's shoulder surgery. 
I don't know that I can even look at the fact that he's out of shape and blame that on a shoulder injury. Nobody really knows how he got hurt. He showed up at the ballpark one day. At least that's what they tell us. He showed up at the ballpark one day and his shoulder was banged up. And they got it looked at. He got, you know, second opinion, third opinion. Dr. James Andrews did the surgery. Look, I mean, you can be maybe the in the best shape out of anybody in that clubhouse, and one day you can be lifting a weight and you can hurt your shoulder. You could be doing shoulder press as the most jacked up guy in that room, and you could hurt your shoulder and have, have to have shoulder surgery. Like, I don't, I don't think that being out of shape is the thing that led to the shoulder surgery. I really don't. Or at least, I don't know that we can sit here and, and blame the shoulder surgery on him being out of shape. But with Sandoval and all that said, I don't even think about him. Because the Red Sox are tied for first place in the division without him. The Red Sox actually being tied because Baltimore got postponed last night in Minnesota. Uh, The Orioles have 18 wins. The Red Sox have 19 wins. But the Red Sox have played two more games. So that's why you're sort of tied in first place. But the Red Sox have the most wins in the division. And they have not needed Pablo Sandoval to do that. They are a better team on the field right now without Pablo Sandoval. Is that a knock on Sandoval? I don't know if it's a knock on him as much as it is praise for this group and this team right now and what they've been able to accomplish with Travis Shaw at third base and the rest of this lineup and even just this relentless offense picking up the slack for some of the starting pitching that isn't very good in a night like last night, which Buck Holtz wasn't very good but yet still gets the win because he has a relentless offense that chases one of the top pitches in the game, out of the game, in Sonny Gray in the fourth inning. Okay? They've done that all without Pablo Sandoval. They're fine without him. Out of sight, out of mind. I'm not going to sit here and crush the guy every day. I don't talk about him at all because he's not around and he doesn't need to be around because they don't need him. But yesterday, Pablo Sandoval, was this before the game, I think? Was it even yesterday, or am I just behind the times on the Sandoval news because I don't pay any fucking attention to the guy? Whatever it is, yesterday, day before, I think it was yesterday. Let's just say it was yesterday. It happened the last couple days. In the last 48 hours, Pablo Sandoval made some comments. And, you know, what? I'm not even going to read you the quotes. I'm not even going to play the audio. Pablo Sandoval basically called out the media, stood in front of his locker, called out the media by saying, see, I told you I was hurt. You guys try to say I was faking. Here I am having surgery. See, I told you, I'm hurt. Screw you. I'm gonna. I'm proving you wrong. Pablo Sandoval met with the media, which they should have never had him do. There is no reason for them to allow Sandoval to meet with the media. And, and the words that were coming out of his mouth and really just the attitude, it's, it's more of the same from this guy. And it's why I have to bring it up again because he's forcing me to bring it up again. He's throwing us, he's, he's, he's throwing us these quotes and throwing himself in front of the media and putting his face in the cameras, putting his face back on TV, his voice back on radio. He's back in the fold. He shouldn't be. They should send him away. Tell him to go somewhere. He shouldn't even be around. And if he is around, he shouldn't be able to talk to the media. And if he does talk to the media, he shouldn't be saying the things that he's saying. Like, is anybody in this guy's head, does anybody talk to this guy? By him coming out yesterday and saying that, he almost almost was pounding his chest 
as if he was proud to have had the surgery because he was proud to have proven the media members wrong that said he was faking the injury. Like, first of all, it's not a bad thing to want to prove people wrong. I mean, look, that's how I live my fucking life, to be honest with you. I, I mean, is it a mindset that I, that I want to have with me personally, like in the business that I'm in? This dogfight of a business in which, you know, people are just, I mean, who do you trust? Can you trust anybody? The answer is no. Okay. And the, the way I've been battling this business for the last 10 fucking years, I mean, I, I could throw my resume on the desk to a lot of people, to a lot of employers, and I think they'd probably be surprised as to just how much I've actually ended up doing in this business that they probably don't know about, like where I began and how, where I've taken this show and where I am at right now. Uh, the way I've built this, but, but along the way, what you realize is, you know, you are in this on your own and I've, you know, I don't want to have this personality of prove people wrong. The world is against me, but sometimes in reality it is. And you need to have that attitude. Like I'm, they're telling me I can't do this. I'm going to fucking do it. In fact, I am doing it. So that prove people wrong mentality, like I live it every single day. I wake up every single day with it. I know what it, I know what that feels like. And it's not a bad thing because it motivates yourself. Okay. It has helped me continue to to sort of grind away and battle here. So, and, and I, so when I see professional athletes use it, anybody, you're out in your own business, your own industry, you got your own private business, you know, whatever job you're in. You want to prove people wrong, helps you do a better job. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. And so when I see pro athletes do it, because that's what I do, I just, I try to read into these guys. You know, here in Boston, to give you an example, Tim Thomas, Bruins goaltender. Won a cup, hoisted hoisted La Coupe over his head in in a Bruins sweater. Great moment. Awesome moment. And, and I don't think anybody thought he'd be doing that. And you know what? He knew that nobody thought he'd be doing that. He knew that most people told him or said to each other and said behind his back that he can't do it. So what he did was he literally walked around the Bruins dressing room in a t-shirt that said, prove people wrong. Tim Thomas proved as much of a nutcase as that guy is and was. Tim Thomas proved people wrong. He used that mentality the right way. Okay. He used it the way we should want players in our city, professional athletes in our city, using it. That Tim Thomas used the prove people wrong thing the perfect way because he gave you the ultimate prove people wrong. He gave the ultimate fuck you lifting the Stanley Cup over his head. That is the ultimate. I mean, you want an ultimate fuck you in sports? Hanley Ramirez has been playing the ultimate fuck you with the Red Sox right now by hustling, by driving the ball to right field, by playing great first base. And even the other night uh, against the Yankees, he gets hit by a pitch. Then he goes from first to third. Then he tries to score on a shallow sack fly. I was actually okay with it because he was like really trying to be like, yeah, fuck you. Like, you're going to hit me? Here's what I'm doing. Uh, Hanley's proving people wrong. Hanley, he's doing it the right way. I can't praise the guy enough as much as I knocked him in spring training. This is another guy. Prove people wrong. But the ultimate prove people wrong, the ultimate fuck you in in this sports world that we live in is lifting the cup over your head, the Stanley Cup. Best trophy in sports. 
the ultimate fuck you, right? I love to prove people wrong mentality. I love seeing players have it. Pablo Sandoval. Now, he's got to prove people wrong mentality. That's for sure. We heard that yesterday. But he's using it in, the, in all the wrong places, okay? All the wrong places. He's not using it in a way that is helping his on-field production. He's in there pounding his chest, with, feeling good about himself, defending himself, saying, I proved people wrong because I got hurt. Think about that for a minute, what he was saying. He's saying, everybody, see, I told you, I am injured. People saying I wasn't injured. Yeah, I proved them. I showed them. I proved them wrong. I had surgery. Like, this is ridiculous. Are we, did you listen to this guy yesterday? I don't even know why you let him talk. Why would you let him talk? I don't understand it. Why you would let Pablo Sandoval speak to the media. And if he's going to speak to the media, somebody please get in the guy's ear and say, will you just tell me what you think you're going to say to some of these questions? Like, give him the Bill Belichick treatment. Say, all right, if you're going to speak, here's how we're going to do it. One day at a time, I'm trying to do what's best for the team. Um, I'm just trying to be a good clubhouse guy. I'm going to work hard every day. I'm going to show up. I'm on to 2017. Like, is there anybody with a fucking brain in the Red Sox clubhouse that could get to Pablo Sandoval and say that? Because we know there's nobody in the Red Sox clubhouse that's on that coaching staff that can figure out how to watch video of a pitcher going back to last year and maybe figuring out what's wrong with the ace. We know there's no one on the staff that can do that. You got to have your second baseman do that for you. But is there anybody in that Red Sox clubhouse with a fucking brain large enough to maybe tell Pablo Sandoval, if you are going to speak to the media, here's how we're going to do it? Like, he sounds like a moron. Okay? Sandoval sounds like a moron. And don't use the, well, there's a language barrier. He still doesn't feel comfortable in America. Give me a fucking break with that shit. He knows what he's saying. He knows how he feels. We heard how he felt when he first showed up to spring training. He is more concerned with proving the media wrong about him being hurt than maybe him showing up to spring training, being in shape, proving everybody wrong that said he was a bad signing. Right? Like, this is not how we want Pablo Sandoval to prove people wrong. He needs to prove people wrong on the field. And more importantly... How about you do it in the offseason? That's how you prove people wrong. Pablo Sandoval needs to figure it out. If he doesn't figure it out between the ears, inside his chest, well, Dave Dombrowski is going to figure it out for him. And I don't care if they have to eat all the money. Because he just, the more this guy talks, the more of a moron he sounds like. And don't give me the language thing. Because... You should not be standing there even talking. And if you're going to talk, you shouldn't be pounding your chest pleased with yourself that you had surgery and that you proved media members wrong that, hey, see, I told you I was hurt. I showed them. Unbelievable. Honestly, unfucking believable So that's, what, <laughs> that's what's going on with the Red Sox. Pablo, just go away. Go away. We don't need you. Right now. All right, we don't need to hear from you. We don't need to see you. Go away. And maybe someone should take him away. Like, what? 
I don't even know why he talked. Why is he talking to the media? Why are you letting him in the clubhouse while the media is allowed in there? What are they in there? An hour before the game? Hour and a half? And then for an hour after the game? Media leaves? All right, Pablo, go in the clubhouse and get your shit. How about this? Media shows up allowed in the clubhouse at 3 o'clock, 3.30. How about you get your ass? How about you get your fat ass to the clubhouse at 2 o'clock? And do you take care of your business at 2. And you're out of here before the media shows up. Why are you here with the media? Go away. Nothing good is going to come out of you talking. The only thing we need from you is to go rehab, go work out, and if you want to prove people wrong, do it on the field, and more importantly, do it beginning next offseason. Until you get back to that mindset, we don't care what you have to say. At this point, it's all about proving it on the field. (laughs) And obviously, he can't do that right now because he's hurt. But he seems to be more happy that he showed people he was hurt and proved them wrong, the people who were saying he wasn't and that he was faking. He just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. The one quick thing, actually, I got to mention this. Huge sign in a Major League Baseball. Steven Strasburg, National signed him to an extension. Seven years, 175. What's that? 25 a year? Around there, there's an opt-out after the third or the fourth year. They're not really sure yet. You know, you see all these opt-out clauses with these pitches. Like, David Price has one after the third year, right? Um, but, yeah, the 175 over seven years, it's 25 mil a season, average annual. There's some bonuses here, performance bonuses for Strasburg. He turns 28 in July. Strasburg will receive an additional $1 million bonus, a million bucks each season that he reaches 180 innings pitched. Strasburg is pitching great right now. He's 5-0 with a 2.76 ERA this season, 58 Ks and 7 starts, averaging 8 strikeouts a game. So a big, big deal for Steven Strasburg. Wants to be with the Nationals. Nationals want him. Makes all the sense in the world for both sides. Uh, You know what? I'm... I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little surprised. You see David Price, 30 mil a year. Scott Boris is Strasburg's guy. Man, I'm, I'm surprised this isn't a little bit higher. I really am. They're good for the Nationals, good for Strasburg. He wants to stay there. They got a nice core group of players and one of the best players in the world at the plate. And Bryce Harper, it's, it's a big move for the Nationals. A scary move for the NL East. You know, the Mets got all these pitches. You wonder how many of them they're going to hold on to in the next couple of years. Um, but that's, that's a nice move for the Nationals. So I had to mention that before I signed off. Again, five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all forms of social media. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Tomorrow is technically my last show of the week in the studio, but I have recorded some segments to still pump out shows on Thursday and Friday. Like yesterday, I talked to Ken Casey of Dropkick Murphys and Murphys Boxing, and we got we had a great conversation, not just about uh, his new record that he's currently working on uh, down in Texas. That's where they're putting that thing together, but also just you know some of the fighters that he's working with and just the boxing world in general the triple g stuff the canelo stuff the mayweather stuff getting into a little ufc with him the state of the sport of boxing it's a great conversation with someone who is involved in the promotional side of the boxing world so uh, i'll be 
playing that. I'll be throwing that out in the podcast either Thursday or Friday. What I'm doing today is I'm going to Fenway later this afternoon, and I am sitting down with Sam Kennedy, president of the Boston Red Sox. Going to have a podcast. Going to record a podcast with him, and I'll play that for you later in the week as well. But tomorrow I will react to this Red Sox game. Sean O'Sullivan on the mound. I told you, I, I think I'd be taking the over on this one, but sometimes it works out in funny ways. You think it's going to be the over? Everybody takes the over. Seems like the lock, and it's like a two-to-one game. <laughs> but I'd still, I mean, even if that happened, I wouldn't regret putting my money in the over based on what you're going to see on the mound tonight at Fenway. And again, if you're going, make sure you go to the SeatGeek app and use the promo code PICARD. That's right, my last name, Picard, to get $20 off your tickets. I'll be back here in the Beantown Athletics studio tomorrow. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. BeantownAthletics.com. I'm out. Talk to you then. <laughs>